Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist. Hope you're doing well. I am that comedian. Eliza is the therapist. How are you doing, Eliza? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. A um, lot on, but uh, I'm enjoying it. I like winter. It's not It's not <laughs> quite winter yet, but I prefer winter. I don't know why. Same. I sleep better. Yeah. I um I enjoy it. Food tastes better when it's cold, when the temperature is yeah. cold. I and I just don't feel like the Australian summer is great if you don't work, you know, like for people who work, the summer sucks. Yeah. It's good if you can be on the beach all day. But, um, you know, when you're working, if you, apparently uh, countries where the average temperature was 13 degrees Celsius are the most likely to be to create empires and to be the most successful countries. Wow, but also children that have majority of their pregnancy through the warmer months or are born in warmer months are more likely to be happy as adults. So What's it why why is that do you think? I think what it's vitamin happens D. In the pregnancy? That's what I reckon. Ah, or just women, no, women's yeah, hormones and general mood like everyone I'm like you. Winter is my favorite. Winter and autumn and spring. Like, I like the cooler months, but everyone hates it. And people are so miserable in winter. Like, my dad hates wind. Nah. <laughs> like, who fucking hates wind? <laughs> it's just so... Why spend your time disliking wind? Winter's... I love getting cozy. And, oh, period. so good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, getting cozy, you know, having a Movie nights. good meal at the end of the day. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Not sweating all the time, yes. not waking up in a ball of sweat oh. and, you know, having to take all the your clothes off, as you do. <laughs> do you know what's, um, speaking of you being really busy, what's funny is I've been seeing on YouTube comments that people, even though you've explained it a couple of times, everyone still thinks that you delete their comments. <laughs> and they're like, Neil, I deleting d- our comments again. <laughs> Well, it must be a joke then because I promise I do not delete anything. I mean, I don't have time to go over <laughs> all know. the ones that are reviewed. Yeah. Maybe Steve Maybe I'll, Maybe Steve can do it. Even that, he's probably too busy to do that. But um, you, that's what happens. YouTube now just has all these sensors and they just put comments held for review. And Exactly. Yeah. I thought I'd bring it up at the start of the podcast rather than the last like 30 seconds. So in case people missed it <laughs> last time, but I have to stop reading the comments because there's this one guy and his name is Aaron. So I'll just call you out, Aaron. And every week he comments, how low does a woman's self-esteem have to be to marry a tradesman? <laughs> like every time the same comment and i just go like and it's really like funny like people fight fighting with him being like you need to clearly you didn't get enough hugs from your mother and stuff but i just like why come with the same thing who are you wanting to answer is it me and then he i actually did answer which i know i shouldn't but i did and then he was like can we do get some studies done on like the iq of a tradesman that builds like takes resources from the earth and all this stuff and i just think you know what like who hurts you and what have you got against tradesmen and obviously you know if you think obviously i think he's referring to me talking about 
marrying a tradie but you know Mate, it, welcome to australia <laughs> tradies yeah. get the ladies okay i don't know what exactly. you're talking about but uh, tradies are in high demand here it's a it's a thing and adrian is you know he's smart enough to have bought himself three houses so have you come done that Aaron? Damn. so <laughs> you know don't let me so judgmental listen to some of our previous podcasts um about the ego and stuff like that you might find it helpful Tradesmen are kings right now, particularly <laughs> now. No, because all the white-collar jobs are going to be automated. There's mm. a lot of job insecurity. You know what? People are always going to need, at least until they create smart trade, Google, the Google tradesman or something, which is at least 30, 40 years away. Everyone, there's always going to be a demand for plumbers, for electricians, for landscapers. You know what? There isn't going to be a demand for accountants. You know, engineers, all these things are going to be automated. So, mm -hmm. look, if you want job security and if you want just a a good, purposeful job with with very, very valuable skills, you should do a trade. In fact, most men should just do a trade. Only like a very small portion should go and do some artistic stuff. Yeah, and he was like... Don't, he's like, what child dreams of being a tradie? I was like, don't all kids dream like when they're toddlers of like they get the diggers and they want to play in dirt and play with trucks. I know like how many kids do I know, little boys that are like, I want to be a truck driver or a garbage truck man. So, Well, Aaron, it sounds like maybe you had a girl that went for a tradie instead of you. So maybe something, something, like something there. I don't know. But um, no, tradies definitely... Get the ladies, get a lot of money in Australia as well. Mm. So good on them. <laughs> Too early to wake up for me though. I'm not I know, up at yeah. 5.30 or whatever. Yeah, Adrian wakes but, up at 4.30 because he has to drive to Sydney Jesus. from the coast. No. Yeah. yeah. That's not uh, fun. No. Well. Anyways. Uh, before we get into uh, overthinking, which is going to be a fun one. Well, I don't know if it'll be fun. We'll probably overthink this podcast, <laughs> but... Uh, this this is sponsored by Crush Organics. Go to crushorganics.com. It's with a K. You use the code Neil. You get 40% off. You get all their range of CBD oil products. Get the platinum oil. That's the one I like. And they got uh, they got pain cream. You got oil for your pets. So uh, if you are an overthinker, there's nothing better than a bit of CBD oil. A few drops. Every time you're overthinking. So go to crushorganics.com, use the code Neil, and you get 40% off. And as always, use only as directed. Read the labels. If you haven't done it before, just start off with two or three drops. But overthinking, this is something everyone's an overthinker now. I think uh, yeah. social media has certainly exacerbated that. We don't turn our brains off. We're constantly being stimulated. There's a constant dopamine hit. We're forced to think all the time. There's just certain existential crises that our generation is far more aware of than uh, previous generations. Having said that, there were clearly a lot of things to be anxious and overthink back in the day. But uh, mm, things you? aren't as simple as they were. We're always mm. you know, around election time, so... People are probably overthinking that, overthinking whether they should even have kids when, you know, back uh, not that long ago, it was just the thing you did. There was just this very sort of easy uh, 
purpose, meaning, and pathway through life that everyone never questioned because it was the reality, it was the norm. And as a result, I think people didn't overthink. But now, because we're moving towards a very small L liberal society, people have to think about all sorts of things. Like, is this the career I want? Is this the job I want? Is this the person that's really going to uh, fulfill me for the rest of my life? What are my values? What are my morals? Mm. What, where do I get my spirituality? All these, just these uh, complex existential questions that were just mapped out for us not that long ago, not that long ago. And this is, I think, a huge cause of people's overthinking. Also, uh, if you've read The Coddling of the American Mind, which is the most apt book when it comes to some of the um, anxiety that many younger generations are facing, uh, this book goes into great detail about exactly why that may be. Like I said, a large part of it is social media. Um, another part of it is sort of safetyism and uh, parent, a parenting style that's uh, quite intense and, you know, maybe instilled a lot of fear into children, a lot of pressure as well. There was a lot more, I suppose, free play in uh, generations of yesteryear, whereas everything is often quite strictly mapped out for particularly middle and upper class kids in the West. It's it's not just school, but then it's here's the allotted time for your homework, for your extracurricular activities. There's just a huge schedule for children and a lot of pressure on them in a in a highly competitive jobs market uh, to to perform very well. That's contributing to overthinking and Hormonal imbalances. This is one, mm. particularly when it comes to men. Now, this is yeah. one that doesn't go with the cultural narrative, but I can attest to this from personal experience, okay? Uh, I was a huge overthinker. I still overthink now and again. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's probably just evidence of a <laughs> mind that overheats, but uh, testosterone actually correlates with like lower neuroticism. And so if you can actually boost that, and you're an overthinker, you will decrease that because I can attest to that from personal experience. Um, I maybe around 22, 23, I was, I was very, I was like a highly anxious person and overthinking everything and trying to be sort of um, placate everyone and really concerned about coming off the wrong way and being direct with how I thought. And I would never have done a podcast, I was always subtly uh expressed in my in my comedy or in my art what i thought but oh no i don't want to be too direct i don't want to piss people off but now i make all sorts of videos where i'm like hey look this is my opinion this is what mm -hmm. i think and if you don't like it you don't like it but uh i truly believe like diet exercise and what i can only assume is it's probably an increase in testosterone would have uh alleviated some of that overthinking and now that's that is specific to men but um, mm. the, as far as I'm aware, that women on average are more prone to neuroticism and overthinking tendencies. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's it's clearly something that a lot of people face, and and a lot of people face to a debilitating degree. Yes. So definitely, if there are um, there are certain things out of your control, such as the the world we live in today and this sort of collapsing global world order um, and, you know, jobs market and, and cultural issues and uh, like moral um, anarchy, mm. if you will. So uh, there's, there's certain things that are definitely out of your control, but 
there are things that are in your control. And if you do tend to be an overthinker, I think sort of structuring your life in a, in a slightly more regimented way and really uh, valuing the time to detach and relax and to actually prioritize having fun. Um, I think a lot of people don't, yeah. particularly when they get to their late 20s, they're just so caught up with everything and they probably have to be, especially if they've got a family. But even if it's just 20 minutes, just just have do something enjoyable, have some fun, play some music that you like, just relax, mm. calm down. Now, I know that's something that people who overthink get pissed off when they hear because they're always oh, easy, just calm down for 20 minutes, shut up. Like, yes, I understand that, but it's that tendency, what you're doing right there to be hypercritical, to question yes. everything. That is what is causing your overthinking. So uh, there's, there's, there's definitely a myriad uh, strategies here to alleviate something mm. like this, but it is a very, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a significant problem mm. um, in this day and age in the West. So what are your thoughts on yeah. overthinking? Well, I think that overthinking ties in a lot with anxiety. Um, and it's interesting, actually, I've been reflecting on this a lot um, with Adrian recently because you know how actually a couple of podcasts I was talking about how, you know, Adrian's had anxiety his whole life and ADHDs diagnosed at 14, blah, blah, blah. And um, he recently, like well, last year, he went on medication for a couple of months, then went off and kind of decided he wanted to try do all those things. He already is, I would consider, like a high testosterone, like he's exercising, being a landscaper all day, every day. He eats really well, um, etc. But he wasn't implementing those kind of self-care strategies in place. Um, and then a couple of podcasts ago, I was talking about how, you know, now he like meditates every day and he does all these things. And basically he felt that his anxiety was healed um, because he was implementing all of these things in his life to increase times of relaxation um, because certain times like he always thinks that playing video games is relaxing but it's not it's he's still heightened he's still like jittered and um, getting adrenaline from that he doesn't realize it so he started setting aside like he would take a long bath, candles and everything. Then he'd meditate and huh. he was like, and he'd get in his like. <laughs> so what happens when you date you for <laughs> I know, a, a year and a half. I know. I like set up the bath, bath and I put like candles. mists and um, candles and meditation music on. And anyway, it was working because he went months feeling so good and having like no anxiety. And what was interesting is because it's kind of like, teed it off and he also was reading every day like doing all everything he can to better himself basically and a couple of weeks it's teed it off because he's been so exhausted from work he has to wake up at 4 30 he gets back like 6 30 they're just really long days and then he's in bed by nine um so he wanted to like you know wasn't getting enough time to do these things he felt and the last two nights he started having um symptoms of anxiety come back and the first thing though he doesn't recognize it so much as anxiety he he calls it like he's overthinking everything and when I talk to him like what does that look like like what's going on for you and he just says like it's like this spiral of a million thoughts and it's usually just um 
you know, insulting myself basically or thinking poorly about myself and having a negative self view. And, you know, when I encourage being like, well, what can you do to relax? Can you do this? Can you do that? It wasn't working for him in that state of anxiety because he's like, if I sit down and allow myself to watch a movie, I'm just going to be thinking like, God, I'm so unproductive. I haven't done shit. Like it's going to continue in that spiral. (laughs) So I think like the approach that I took with him afterwards um, instead of that, instead of encouraging him to relax because that wasn't going to work for him and in the way his like mind frame was going was I tried to do like a little, um, reframe with him and I was like look we have to like you know I acknowledge that you're feeling really anxious and all this overthinking but I think that this is actually a really good time because well what he was saying is like I can't believe like I'm such an anxious person and blah 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 and I was like you haven't felt anxiety for months like it's just come back these two days I think that's still like a huge progress, but he can't see that when he's in this state. So I said, you know, the silver lining you have to take from this situation is it's your body reminding you that when you're not doing those self-care things and when you stop your meditation and your reading and, you you know, your little baths and things like that, once you stopped everything, your anxiety and overthinking has come back. And it's something that, you know, think of this as a little reminder for you. And it's just your body giving you a little nudge to put those things back into place to help you. Um, and what I you know struggle with sometimes listening to him um, speak about himself like this is it's hard, you know, when I'm not being therapeutic and I'm just being a person, I'm like, oh my gosh, like why put so much energy into thinking things that are untrue about yourself. Like, you know, you're not like that. You know, you've done this, you know, it's been great. Like think about that, but you can't do it in, in that state. So I think it's really important to also one reframe and put context about it. And I had been encouraging him for months and months to write about like, even if he just wrote notes in his phone about moments that he felt really good and felt like, oh, I had, you know, I went a whole week today with knowing a whole week this week, no anxiety or a whole month, blah, blah, blah. This is what I was doing. So moments like last night, he can go back and reflect and be like, actually, there's like 20 times in the last month that I've written like about how I feel really good. And remember that because when you're feeling so overwhelmed by your emotion, you can't remember those things and you're going to fixate only on what you're thinking. And the other thing was, is, you know, he was getting really anxious as we were driving nearly back from the dog park. And I had like some music playing and I was like, just sit back and like really like deep breaths out. Like you want to breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, like like almost like you're blowing on a straw, like that kind of breathing. And he just wasn't doing deep breaths. And I was like, oh, you've been to therapy enough times to know that breathing is always what's recommended. And then, you know, he's like, well, breathing, like it's bullshit. Like what, what's breathing going to do? But then when I explained the science behind it and I was like, well, you breathe slowly And I'll explain it to you as you're doing it. And then I'm talking about how like, you know, when you're out of your window of tolerance and breathing is something that um, calms your nervous system, puts things back into place, blah, blah, blah. And then as he's doing it, he does feel better. But it's just those reminders of you actually have the tools to do what you need to do. But when you're in that state, you often don't reach to those tools because you want to validate that 
it almost to him, he was fighting the, I actually know what to do. I've been doing this for years and fighting that against his ego of, I'm a really anxious person. I'll never come out of this. So I refuse to think of anything positive Mm. or do anything for myself in this moment. But then sometimes you need someone to challenge you and be like, well, what have you done to actually, you know, deal with this in this moment here? So it's an interesting, like, little conundrum that people get themselves into when they're overthinkers. And I think also an important differentiation between someone that overthinks occasionally. I overthink occasionally, but I'm I'm certainly not an overthinker. Um, And Adrian is an overthinker basically just generally in his personality and he has to put in a lot of effort continuously to prevent himself from being maintaining that overthinking status 24 hours a day every single day of his life so it's a lot of effort so I was going to ask you like you know when you were 22 and 23 and going through that did you link make links to that being as well tied in with anxiety or do you feel it was just overthinking and a rushed mind like what was that experience like for you um look yeah it was probably a combination of both i mean that they kind of do go hand Mm. in hand and i don't know whether there was a medical condition or anything but was there like bouts of anxiousness sure like that definitely um occurred and there were even physical um indicators of that and slowly but surely i just put strategies in place to Mm. i put more preventative strategies and you know i I didn't necessarily go through really heavy bouts where it was debilitating like that Mm. i mean there was definitely sort of social uh, cues where i couldn't be myself and was almost sort of jittery and shaking um and that just through mostly lifestyle um and diet factors and i it's also probably a bit of me just getting older and you know becoming more mature and confident and i've been lucky things have gone very well for me in my 20s so that probably helps (laughs) and um all of those, just a confluence of all those positive factors which helped alleviate that. So if someone doesn't have that specific medical condition and they're just overthinking, first of all, it's it's often an accumulation of a lot of little things. And yeah, it, it frustrates me when people get frustrated when they're offered simple solutions. No one is saying, oh, if you just drink more water, it's going to stop your overthinking. Mm-hmm. But hey, if you drink more water, if you eat very well, if you sleep well, if you get your exercise in, if you do all these little basic daily activities, yeah, then maybe it might actually help stop your overthinking. So don't be so stubborn when people do offer those very, um, what you may perceive as sort of minor activities <clears throat> because over time, it's not going to happen overnight, but over the course of a year or two, if you continually do those, and yeah, there'll be times when you drop off and you're going to make sure that that trough is is minimal. And when you do go through a peak, you try and maximize that, just like with any sort of cycle. Mm. Um, once you start habitually doing those things, it's going to make a huge difference in your life. I don't know a single person who's, who's made an effort to uh, – be more whatever it may be, health conscious, sleep conscious, just your basic health activities, then it hasn't 
dramatically improved their life. Yeah. I mean, like my Daniel's just gone through a month of both him and I have gone through a month of not drinking. We have immediately oh, wow. seen how much it has improved our improvisation well and done. our ability to think on our feet, our ability to come up with long form stories and you know, I wasn't sleeping that well in the previous few months and I just made sure this month I wanted to just get a good, just my at least seven every night and, you know, not drink and not doing anything else basically. Um, no no vaping, no, no weed, nothing. And just within a month, like massive, massive mm, difference. Yeah. Um, and all these activities add up. Yeah. And yeah, there's some people who have very stressful lives and it's easier for it's it's you know, maybe easy for me to say when I have this I have a very great job and I can kind of make my own hours and there's definitely periods of stress, but sure compared to the average person, I probably have a very stress-free job. Um it's it's yeah, it's probably easier for me to do a lot of those. You don't have a stress-free job. You you have to manage. No. You have to do everything on your own. You don't just get to show up and you know do what needs to be done. You have to literally manage yeah. your own business. It's way harder. Positives and negatives, yeah. but you know I like to look at the positives. Yeah. And my job is Good. pretty yeah. amazing. So yeah, you know, I, in fact, nothing annoys me than when social media people are like oh you know it's so hard sometimes i get mean comments it's like yeah that's the one bad thing you you occasionally get a mean comment you you otherwise get five grand to spruik bubble tea so maybe have some gratitude (laughs) but um yeah uh for 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 me that that has been what has helped me a lot um just bettering myself focusing on that and 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 not worrying too much about the, the external world and obviously taking into account political trends and being politically aware as much as possible but sometimes that can become all consuming and not only that it can actually be a, a front for someone who's lacking a lot of self-esteem and they become they 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 adopt this political identity because it gives them purpose and that's a very stressful life because you're constantly having to think about these issues that you virtually have very little, if any, control over, like the economy. I mean, what what can we do about it? What can one individual do about that? But Unless you're a prime minister or something. But, um, <laughs> you know, overthinking about those sorts of things are uh, something that specifically Gen Z is is – I think prone to because mm. you know even when I was in high school I didn't even know what left and right was. Mm, yeah, no one was either. politically aware. Yeah. You know people had their you know people were generally when you're young everyone's very progressive and left leaning and um you know people had their opinions and then there was a few people that didn't have those opinions and occasionally that was spoken about but for the most part, no one was as hyper as mm. as politically aware as they are now, and that's not mentally healthy for the individual. Yeah, um, I think it's a good thing overall. I think we should be, but some people take it to an extreme, and you know, and then even it the content you consume. <laughs> exactly. So even the even the content that we consume, if you're always looking at sort of this kind of culture war content, which for a while I I definitely was. I still do to a certain degree, but that will put you in a heightened emotional state and sometimes you should just detach and watch something. There's, I actually am 
a proponent of watching trashy reality TV. You know why? Because it just you don't have to think. Yes. You just sit there, you veg out, you relax. Oh uh, look, I don't have to. I don't have to get too pissed off at this. I mean, sure, there's some people that might annoy you, but uh, I find um, people who sort of judge others and and question their intelligence because they watch trashy reality TV are being awfully sanctimonious. I don't mm. I don't think people who are watching that trashy reality TV are watching it to be intellectually stimulated. They're <laughs> watching it to uh, detach yeah. and to yeah, sure reading a book would probably be the ideal thing. But it maintains there. your interest. I think that's the thing is like you can exactly. you can veg out whilst having your interest maintained and experiencing drama but secondhand or as vicariously. Um, but you actually raised a good point um, before that I wanted to touch on um, because mm. when you were talking about, you know, you're not doing other things like weed and stuff, that I find overthinkers the most are always drawn um, to using substances like weed and oh, absolutely, always yeah. are the people that are prone to becoming the very, very heavy uh pot smokers so i think it's really important for if you're that type of person to have an understanding about the way that your brain works on these substances and in a nutshell it's that weed is a depressant so every time you use it your brain and you you know you you feel depressed uh, not feel depressed but uh you feel more lethargic a bit more slow a bit more calmer a bit more mellow etc um it brings you down um but then your brain naturally tries to compensate that so it releases a, a surge of the opposite like stimulants and in doing so it makes you feel more energetic anxious wired hyperactive or overthinking so then you're stuck in the cycle because your brain brings you back up to compensate because you've been so low down having a depressant so it surges you and it brings you higher than normal and then you're like i'm so escalated i need weed and then you do it you're stuck in that cycle forever (laughs) so it's a really important thing to understand that sometimes trying to calm yourself down by using a, a drug or a substance can be doing you much more harm than good. So it's just something for everyone to be aware of. And I, Without a doubt. Yeah, just, I mean, it'll give you a short-term yeah. uh, bout of relaxation, but the long-term effects will, will be far worse. Yeah, and it's the same for stimulants like uh, cocaine where you have it and you might feel really good. You feel energized, you feel productive, and then you're – brain tries to balance that by surging depressants in you so then you feel exhausted and lethargic and you're like oh well this is why I can't function without coke this is why I can't get anything done so then you start becoming a heavy coke user to get that high back up and then that's um that's your cycle but I also actually in terms of overthinking in general just going out of side drugs now um heard an interesting kind of way of like a little analogy and I'll ask you this question. Um, it's just a little mm-hmm. like example or a little a little exercise. And the question might not make sense, but just reflect on it for a little bit and just go with your intuition about what you come back with. Um, so the question okay. is. Here we go. 
How is the desk the mother of the chair? What? I know it's confusing, but just think about how that might, how a desk might be the mother of a chair and see what theory you come with. How is the desk the mother of the chair? Is this a serious yeah. sort of a philosophical conundrum or are we just, no. do we want like a casual kind of answer? Casual, um, casual. It's, uh, I guess it, ha- it, it, um, it doesn't really take care of it, but it's sort of, it, it covers it, <laughs> it, it shelters it. Yeah. That's kind of maternal. Yeah, that's that's good. By the way, sorry if you could hear gagging in the background. That's us. My dog was choking. Um, she's okay now. Sure. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the point of that exercise is that often we will think about something and think, oh, we've reflected on this and then come to some kind of solution that we feel good. And then often we can ra- rationalize it. And if I'd asked you to think about that for five minutes, you might actually come with a really deep philosophical question about how the the desk is unmoving it's stable it's strong and the the chair can go under it and move out from it anyway the point of the exercise though is basically to show you that our brains will come up with a solution sometimes and we might think oh we've reflected on it but then we're just sold on that answer and that to us is the rationale so it's kind of something to make you realize that rationale the rationale <laughs> shit sorry but you know what i mean it's that we yeah. we kind of just find ways uh, we find a little narrative or a solution we settle on it and then that's it we've convinced ourselves of it um and that's a little exercise yeah. that sometimes therapists will bring up and then be like well it's interesting that you think of that that way or you think of this this way but really it's just that you've come up with the first thing and you're going with it. And what happens with overthinking is we don't come up with the one thing and go with it. We come up with every single possible answer, solution or whatever, and you dwell on it and you dwell on it and you dwell on it. And what's interesting is I'm doing, um, I've talked about this, but I'm doing this leadership course thing that goes for like eight months. And I'm doing it with a coworker that she's very much overthinking and you do this whole personality profile, etc. And mine was, I'll come up with a decision, go with it and just wing it. Like think very big picture. And she was, she can't come up with any decisions because mm, she overthinks it. Yeah. And yeah. she wants to consider every avenue, every option, really analyze it. And in some ways, I work better than her because I can think on my feet and do something immediately and often it's right. But in other ways, she works better than me because she's considered every single option. She has a backup for those options, etc. You know, how how they are. Um, but mm. yeah, so it, it, it is interesting how one of the points of, you know, therapy is understanding how does overthinking serve you? And a lot of people consider it to be, well, yeah, I'm an overthinker, but it actually can be beneficial because one, I'm reflective, two, this and blah, blah, blah. And they find all of these reasons to make it, to justify why it works for them. 
But really overthinking isn't something that actually serves people. It's often usually a detriment rather than, you know, something that's positive in someone's life. But people like to think of ways that it works. And another little kind of point um, to this is we create narratives and the narratives that we create determines how we feel about a situation. So if you have like a roommate that leaves her dishes out or his dishes out every day and it pisses you off so much and then you go, let's say you go to your therapist about it and your therapist is like, why do you think they do that? And you might be like, well, because they're lazy. And your therapist might be like, well, what are other reasons? And you might say, well, because they're trying to piss me off or they know it triggers me. Like, what else could it be? And then you you rattle off all of these other, like, possibilities. Like, well, maybe she's had a really stressed day and she doesn't have time. Maybe no one taught her how to clean. Maybe she doesn't know roommate etiquette. Like, all these things. And I guess the point of doing an exercise like that is understanding, well, Let's say for three of those that they're true. One being, you know, she's doing it to piss you off. How does that make you feel? And it makes you feel even angrier and more frustrated. And then you go on to the other one being like, well, let's say she's doing it because she has like, you know, really, really terrible depression. And we know that people can like emit self-care at that time and going through something how does that make you feel? And you might be like, well, I feel really like sad and and compassionate for her. And basically the moral of that is whatever narrative you settle on is going to dictate exactly what emotions you feel with it. So it's important to reflect on when you're an overthinker, don't, it's hard because you don't have that one narrative you settle on you've got a (laughs) hundred and then you're going through a million, like a myriad of, of emotions being like, it could be this. Well, what if it's this? And what if it's that? And, and should I just, if I just settle on this, like Eliza says, then what if it's the wrong one? And what if it's not right? And it's really hard to get into the practice of trusting yourself, slowing down and, and not, and trying your hardest to not actually put all your energy into those thought processes. Um, And I know, like, I remember I spoke to one of my exes once who was also like an anxious person and overthinker. And he asked me once, he was like, we were driving and I was zoning out. He's like, what are you thinking about? And I was like, nothing. And he's like, what do you mean? You're thinking about anything? I was like, I wasn't, I just wasn't thinking. And he's like, that is impossible. You can't not think. And to me, (laughs) I'm not a big thinker. Like, do you do you have inner dialogue? Because I didn't know this, but Jordan told me that some people people just don't have inner dialogue. Yeah. Um. Occasionally, when I have something that, when there's something that evokes emotion in me, I have an inner dialogue. Like, if I see like a dog, I will think to myself, "That's so he's so cute," or like whatever. But if it's something that doesn't evoke emotion, sorry, if nothing dramatic or nothing, you know, that is emotional or anything like that has happened to me for three hours, I won't have an inner dialogue for three hours. Like I just won't hear a voice in my head or have a thought process like that. I'll just be Mm. doing what's in front of me and not really thinking about it. Um, But I know to some people that have that constant dialogue, that concept is like 
mind-blowing. Um, and they have dialogues yeah. that run 24-7 and sometimes more than one going at the same time that they can't even hear what the dialogue is, you know. Um. I, I have fights in my inner dialogue. <laughs> do it this way. No, don't do it that way. That's stupid. You man. got no, all no, the no, devil in the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Yes, yes. And... <laughs> Yeah, a, a good another strategy that I found can be helpful is if you do find yourself overthinking sort mundane things that aren't healthy to overthink, then maybe you need to find a hobby or a pastime or a a pursuit that could use something like that. So my granddad was an avid um first it started with sudokus but he just did a lot of these very complicated puzzles and because he was a mathematician for so long so his brain clearly works he's a problem solver and he wants to do that and and that is a good outlet for someone who is an overthinker to to do stimulating pursuits that are also going to be helpful for you but it's healthy absolutely yeah absolutely and Mm. i found um, martial arts is a good one because a lot of people don't realize it's just what does Joe Rogan always say? It's like high level problem solving with dire physical yes. consequences. It's actually a very apt description of what yeah. martial arts is. You're constantly having to think, you're, you're thinking on the fly about strategies. How can I uh, get through this person's defenses whilst still protecting myself? It's actually great for overthinkers in many ways and it requires that focus where you're thinking only on that particular subject or topic or whatever yeah that's a good one the martial arts yeah absolutely yeah yeah i love that yeah you do that still yeah oh is that a question yeah is it kind of sometimes you do it like boxing and stuff or you do no 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 i still do it yeah yeah yeah. i i do taekwondo and then wow Boxing, I do more. I don't do classes or anything. I just really love it. So yeah. I'll do a lot of the like exercises myself. And I did some classes initially, but um, there's really good resources on YouTube. You yeah. can just kind of there's there's guys there that um, precision striking is a good one. Fight tips is just guys there that tips. have like exercises um online for free yeah and even do like virtual pad work and things and that's another one you kind of like having to think about these patterns very quickly and yeah. remember them and it's i found that like really um fulfilling and and just stimulating for for an overthinking mind i think when i um have a project that i'm really passionate about that actually isn't something because often you kind of have to think simply in fact that's mm-hmm. actually been a issue for me where I've sort of overcomplicated things that had a very simple answer yeah and when I have like what I'm doing now is I'm writing a short film that I'm putting like so much mental energy into uh try and think about every little shot every little line of dialogue and how it's going to come together and Mm. you know that's what I did with those short films I filmed um a couple of years ago but then I have the things that aren't as, I guess, artistically stimulating but are the ones you need to maintain a presence that I will just do maybe after I've done that or after I've had a workout and it actually then my mind isn't as overheated and I can do that to a better standard. Yeah. So yeah. Little, little things like that have helped. Um, and, 
you know what? A good partner <laughs> can be like the best yeah. thing for an overthinker. It's easier said than done because often overthinkers are terrible at dating. They're like, they uh, is this person so. a good partner? How do I know they're a good yeah. partner? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then they're in the relationship like, oh, is this the person I really, is this, do they really have the qualities? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. If, if you're thinking like that, you you maybe need to reflect on that a, yeah. a bit. But um, I mean, you've got to think a little bit, but yeah, if it's to that degree. Mm. Um, and you know what? Sex. <laughs> Sex is like a really good way to relax. And I've found that being intimate with my uh, partner when I've been stressed or overthinking something, it's been such a Release. brilliant way to yeah. like now now that you got to be careful when you say something like that doesn't mean go out and just have one night stand willy nilly as soon as you're willy stressed. Nilly, yeah. But um, yeah, willy nilly. Oh, good little <laughs> phrase there. But uh uh i've found that's been the most just like a stable good relationship that um again not like with the dating world today i'm sure a lot of people want that and they just can't seem to find it so uh, it's not just something you can work on necessarily but man that's been a a godsend for some of my um stress and overthinking that's a really for both of us yeah that's a great one actually that people often forget to mention um and my dad um like 25 years ago wrote wrote a book called the little book of calm and it was like wildly popular back then um and he went around the world with it because it's just a tiny pocketbook with little um wow. a sentence on each page of what you can do to invite calmness into your life and paul wilson i'm, I'm googling yeah, it now Google Paul Wilson, Guru of Calm. <laughs> It'll all come up. Uh, but one of Whoa, the- Whoa, I didn't know your dad's famous. <laughs> no, no. It was a, it was book's very old. No, I won't, I won't discredit uh, him. Oh, look at all these suave photos of him here. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, what a silver fox. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, is he talks about, disturbingly, he wrote about in his books how making love is something that you, you can do to- invite calmness into your life as well it's just those things that you can that you enjoy that take your mind off uh it basically brings you to the present so it's um an interesting little technique you can try but yeah don't like neil said don't go out and be (laughs) willy-nilly just to everyone (laughs) (laughs) and don't use porn to do that because that'll be a bad habit that you said you can't be present um, self-stimulate that's all right but uh even that maybe if if it's maybe more than twice a day you might have to look into that but uh <laughs> just ma- ma- masturbation yeah. is uh, without porn i think can be quite healthy and yes. it can be a way to relax although yeah you kind of gotta if you're just using it to to relax just you know be be wary of something like that because there's people that will become addicts and then yeah. be jacking off yeah 10, 10 times a day or whatever very so good point just be careful there and but, that actually um, does happen that you become like yeah. it's your best go-to strategy for being present and releasing that build-up tension like some people like to cry and other people like to come um so you have had to be a little bit careful some when- <laughs> people both at the same time <laughs> if you're really good or stressed um but yeah so it's um be careful of that but it is a really good tool that you can use especially if you try to like approach it from a like a tantric perspective whether that be with your partner or or with you just yourself and i've spoken about like what tantric is but in a nutshell to summarize it again in 10 seconds it's really being 
in like having intent and focus in what you're doing. So trying to find like intensive focus on something as simple as a touch on the shoulder or touching your partner's wrist and finding the pleasure in that and thinking about the softness of their skin and all the softness of your own skin, the curves and trying to really like think positive because with someone that is anxious and has a negative self view, it's really hard to do that because they might be like, oh, that's a cool activity she's mentioned or he's mentioned and go to try to do it. And then they'll be like, look how hideous my belly button is or I hate my nipples or something like that. And it turns out to be like a negative experience. So before that, I think it's really important. And, you know, you might be hearing some common themes here and what we say in basically every podcast. So I hope people actually starting to put two and two together that these strategies are actually what's going to help you. And that is practicing gratitude and showing appreciation for yourself and looking in the mirror and saying things that you value about yourself. And like I've said a million times before, when you start that process, it's going to seem so fake and so uncomfortable and awkward and such bullshit. But the more you do it, you actually reframe the way that you think about yourself. Oh, you got to do it. I think another big thing that has contributed to the increase in overthinking tendencies is Ironically enough, a lack of religion, and I'm not trying to say just go back to that or anything, but what religion did give people was a, well, that gave them that narrative, but also, hey, look, you know, this is God, part of God's plan, and that's sort of quite self-soothing mm. to think that way, and it's not, oh, it's all my fault, or what do I need to do? Like, hey, just let God have his way, and whatever is happening is meant to happen mm. for a reason, for you to become closer to him to that entity uh to that moral goodness whatever you however you interpret that but um also uh prayer uh, often when people pray they're thinking about others and they are being grateful and yeah um, they are sort of practicing that gratitude and 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 that when you meet a lot of religious people they're very calm tranquil people and mm. i think a large part of that is because they're just they're practicing that positivity and yeah they have that kind of all right there's someone guiding me through life here um so i don't have to worry too much yeah i definitely um, practice that personally not from like i don't subscribe to a religion but to me it's the universe and i always yeah anything that goes on for me i can so easily reassure myself and it's amazing because i actually genuinely believe in it and i'll be like you know i was meant to experience this or everything in life is my my literal motto in life is everything in life is either a blessing or a lesson um so that is how i get through so when shit things happen i'm like this is a lesson i needed to learn in order to progress and this is just my path this is what like this is my journey and those kind of things it's it's wildly even though it sounds ridiculous and hippy dippy it's wildly comforting and also reassuring to people that are going through things so it's it's definitely like something i think like when people become spiritual they're like a whole new person and it's so relieving almost regardless of if you join a church or join the the you know start doing tarot card readings and crystals and shit like you know it's it can be very yeah look some moderate form of yeah moderate spirituality whether it is through religion or not can be extraordinarily relieving yeah absolutely correct um i'm just look just gonna break from the podcast for a bit because i want to read out 
Eliza's dad's <laughs> Wikipedia page. So it just says born outback. <laughs> Is that an actual Yeah, not not anywhere in the outback particularly, just the outback. <laughs> yeah. Born in the Outback. True. Paul Wilson is an Australian meditation teacher, columnist, and author of two novels and 19 self-help and spiritually oriented books, including The Calm Technique, Instant Calm, The Little Book of Calm, Calm at Work, The Little Book of Calm at Work, Calm for Life, The Complete Book of Calm, Perfect Balance, The Quiet, A Piece of the Quiet, and Calm No Matter What. How did... I knew your dad had written a book, but I, I didn't realize he was... Uh, wow. Well, he. It was I'm a sure big a deal back then because meditation wasn't trendy. So when Dad wrote his books, he was listed as at one point he was like um, in the top ten most influential people in in England. <laughs> like it was really in England, yeah, or Britain, or like in wow. somewhere. Um, and he would do meditation retreats in India with like tens of thousands of people, literally, um, because no one knew about meditation back then it was only for the religious so it was a like a that was when new age um spirituality became a thing like about 30 years ago so look at us now everyone it's like almost second nature to a lot of people now and everyone knows about it people practice it on the daily it's great not because of dad i mean just because of the movement in society but yeah interest it's um interesting Ah, uh, so cool. All right, turn your Google. Shout out, here. shout out, Paul, if he's uh, if he's listening. I hope he doesn't. I'm sure he's just, he's just there in a serene garden, in his robe. Yep, yep, in his robe with some tea, yeah. with some, uh, you know, all of that going on, some essential oils. Yep. In there, what's that thing called again that helps a the diffuser. essential oils get in? Yeah, diffuser. He's got the diffuser. Yeah. He's got it all. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're certainly his daughter. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, well, my mom's a yoga teacher as well, but she's crazy. So um, I think that <laughs> she's she's where I get my like feistiness from, um, mm-hmm. and dad's where I get everything else from. But you know, mom's mom's an Aries like you, so she's a stubborn woman. No, oh, makes sense. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, I've forgotten what we're even talking about. Oh, yes. uh, Overthinking, yeah. Uh, Overthinking. Just had to bring that, just had to to tell the listeners all about good old Paul Wilson. (laughs) Um, Anyway, one of um, another technique that I think is something that overthinkers, especially those that have like strong anxiety tendencies, should not be afraid to bring into practice in their um, life is doing a cognitive dissonance check. And basically that is um, actually asking someone like when you're, when you're in overthinking, you're thinking negatively about yourself and you might be thinking like, I'm literally worthless or everyone here is looking at me because I'm wearing a red shirt. It looks so ugly or something silly like that. And not, I didn't mention that because you're wearing a red shirt. It looks great. <laughs> oh, no, but you might do point. like. A- but that was just real quickly. That was something that I used to do a lot. Really? Like really overthink what I was wearing and my hairstyle and like, oh, oh everyone's really? going to look at this. Everyone's going to uh think i'm weird and things like that yeah so yeah you, you're totally correct yeah it's it's a common thing that to people that don't think like that 
Um, like I don't think like that often, but for people that have never experienced that, to hear someone having those thoughts seem so weird or irrational or how could you think that? Obviously, it's no one cares, but it's not obvious to someone that has actual thought processes that are putting that in their brain over and over and over again where they have to believe it because that is what is being pushed to them. Um, So doing a cognitive dissonance check is asking someone, do I look silly in this red shirt or is everyone actually looking at me and getting like a reality check? So knowing is this rational or is it not rational? Because you can always say to yourself, I'm not being rational, but you're not going to believe it. But when someone else can tell you, often that helps a lot as well. Um, And I do that not because I'm an overthinker, but I do that with my friends. I spoke about this uh, a couple podcasts ago when I have a reaction to something um, like in my relationship or something's happened. I sometimes ask my best friend and be like, am I being irrational by being upset? Um, Am I being selfish or is this justified? And I can trust that she will give me completely neutral, unbiased response, which is why I basically just go to her (laughs) only um, for that rather than just the girls. Um, So it's it's definitely a helpful technique if you go to the right person. You don't Mm. want to go to someone that's bitchy and is like, yeah, it's ugly. (laughs) Don't wear that. (laughs) Yeah. Good to have a friend that can reflect on that and you know i often will say hey what do you think should we do it this way should I, or am i overthinking it and then they might be like no 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 that's a fair question maybe think about it this way or, or they might say yeah yeah you're probably overthinking this and now i sort of just tell myself often eh, i'm probably overthinking that just forget about it mm. and yeah it's important to detach from whatever worldly stresses you may be experiencing. Often a lot of it comes from work, uh, mm. especially if someone's in a sort of managerial role, mm. has, to, has to organize people, has to make sure things are set in place, set in motion, can't focus in on one thing. Those are the sorts of people that, whether they are overthinking, an overthinker might be attracted to that sort of a role, but then it can often exacerbate their overthinking tendencies by doing that sort of a role being, I don't know, like a project manager or something like that. And mm. yeah, um, might have to think about the the job you want to you wanna have. If, if let's just say someone is in uni listening to this and they are an overthinker, think about the sort of job that would either um, help you focus in on one particular thing or will force you to overthink more and what sort of a life that will create for you so i think that's something to to definitely think about and mm. you know the, the, your your pastimes your hobbies your habits are these actually limiting your overthinking or are they contributing to it and and of course a big one is limit your phone use this is this is probably the biggest if anything it's just limited just just you know, not before bed, not as soon as you wake up. I know, look, it's easier said than done. I, I do it, but, um, mm. and then if you do something, if you if you fall off the wagon, don't catastrophize. Yeah, which is a habit you have to start to. Work, that takes time, but if you if you can hear yourself catastrophizing, like oh, fuck, I told myself not to look at my phone. I fucking looked at my phone. I'm yeah. a, such a fucking idiot like that. It, that reflect on that and oh wh- hang on i'm thinking like that again just all right i did it whatever just get on with your day and don't do it again kind of thing like that's 
you can you can sort of change the way that you think about certain yeah. things and just employ CBT. There's some great books on CBT and uh, that that's going to be your best friend if you're an overthinker. Cognitive behavioral therapy yes, will, will, will serve you really well. Point. And yeah. I read a great book about that. Um, I think it's just called CBT mm. and it was on Kindle. So strongly recommend that one. Yeah, I think that's a really um, The good Subtle point. Art of Not Giving a Fuck is a good one. Yes. I really like that one. And, and everything yeah. sparked that guy's great. And, yeah. you know, The Power of Now uh, is a... Is a uh, I I thought that one was okay, but, you know, for, for that one has been around for a long time. And mm. I'm sure uh, it was probably um, after Paul Wilson's books, but, uh, <laughs> you know... It's been around for a while, and that one is is very popular for a reason. Ah, uh, there's a few others. I'm gonna just look at my bookshelf really quickly. But um, yeah, look, there's a lot of there's a lot of books out there to help you focus in on the moment and uh, not 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 overthink yeah. everything. And and it's and and the saddest part about overthinking is it can ruin a lot of relationships. It, yeah. uh, it, it has for me. It's uh, it can often create a lot of jealousy. Um, because you overthink what someone might be doing if they're not answering you back or if they, you know, are, are not as uh, affectionate as they usually are. You get in your head and you think about the worst possible situation that, yeah. you know, they're cheating or they're about to break up with you and then that can be what makes it worse. And then and you don't know if you You sort can... of give people the benefit of the doubt and th- you, mm-hmm. I think the default should be, all right, they're probably just stressed or they're probably just busy or something. You've got to get in a habit of thinking that way. Yeah, I think another hard part is for overthinkers is that you can't trust your gut instinct because you don't know if that's your gut instinct, like, oh, she must be cheating, or if it's your anxious overthinking tendencies. But like you were saying, the the point of this is you need to bring it to the now. You need to bring yourself to the present and you need to think, slow down your thoughts. And the way to do that is do the techniques that everyone keeps telling you to do, like your positive affirmations, your your meditations. And I think the, the best one for me, um, if I, I meditate on a basically daily basis anyway, and I find meditation quite easy, but if there's like, if I'm highly stressed, you, it's really hard to go into a meditative state when you're stressed and overwhelmed. But yeah. what I find to be like really, really helpful is I will sit in the shower, like on the ground, I'll have most of the lights off, like just a little bit of light, Maybe put some meditation music on like really loud. But if not, the sound of the shower in your head in the water is a really like calming state because it actually just drowns out every noise where you can't hear anything other than the rush of water. And then just focus on things like what can I feel like I'm feeling the warmth, the sensation of the water on my skin going down my face, like those kind of things, like really focus on that and breathing. And it's amazingly calming. Um, And just doing a couple of minutes of that every day or so can be really, really helpful. Um, And I think the biggest, sorry, you go. I was just going to say a cold shower I found is really helpful yeah. because it just, yeah, no, because it just yeah. completely gets, you're then so focused on how cold you're feeling and how long you can stay in there yeah, and eventually actually become accustomed to it. It's great for your immune system as well. Yeah, there's lots of benefits uh, and to that. So I, I think, yeah, cold showers are, are really effective. There's a There's an actual science behind cold showers and you can do both. You can do what I was just saying and then with the Wim Hof method, the cold shower thing 
you finish your shower off with the cold. So you can't go from cold to warm or whatever. It has to finish on cold. Um, so you can sit and do your little meditation, have a nice warm shower, and then do 30 seconds at least of ice cold water. And it is wildly exhilarating. And the science behind it is that your body interprets you being in in pain because of the shock and adrenaline so that it releases endorphins and oxytocin to make you feel better afterwards. So it's a really good technique. And I think that in a nutshell, the biggest takeaway from this podcast is that you have to plan. You have to put things in place. And like you said at the very start, it's about being preventative rather than like reactive. So start putting things in place that you know are going to make you um, feel good and and put plans in to meditate, etc. Like really sit down, probably right now is a good time to do it and think about what things you can implement. Like what for Adrian, for example, his anxiety trigger is always cleaning. Like he starts cleaning and he's a very clean person. And then he always spirals out when he's, he starts for like 10 minutes and then it's 30 minutes and 40 minutes and he's trying to do everything. And he's like, I got to repaint the fence. I got to, I got to weed the garden. I got to do this. Like, mm. blah, blah. And then he spirals. And he's like, there's so much here. The house is falling apart. There's like water damage here. So now he sets a timer. He can only clean for 20 minutes and then that's it. And once the timer's off, he stops thinking about it. He stops right there and it stops him from like, spiraling out going further because in his mind when he starts it he's actually doesn't start being like oh this 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 needs to be done he actually thinks i'm being really productive i'm going to keep going and then he's not understanding his anxiety triggers are heightening so you need to know what about yourself and you need to put things in place beforehand to prevent yourself from spiraling that's a great strategy that's really good yeah yeah yeah, I mean, one last thing I will say is I don't, I don't think you know, you've seen these TikToks now where it's like, oh, if men just went to therapy instead of going to the gym, no, like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you need you need to hit both. You need to hit your mental uh, positive mental activities, whether that is therapy or if you can't afford it, there's all the things we talk about, and but you also that doesn't specifically have to be the gym, but that's a great way to release tension and energy. Yeah. And if you're particularly if you're angry, yes. I find a good outlet is the gym yeah. because then you actually find you probably lift more weight. So uh, don't don't discount that because some 19-year-old on TikTok said so. Agreed. That's a <laughs> good point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll uh, leave this one there. Mm-hmm. Um let us know what you think and come see me live, comedyuntamed.com. Follow Sex Health Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. Follow Eliza on Instagram, Eliza Joy Wilson. And enjoy the winter. We'll see you next time. See you next week.